well, I promise I'll do my best to get you out of here just as soon as I'm done. So I'm doing a series on Sunday nights entitled Pastor and Church, and it looks like we will be in Hebrews 13 eventually. I'm hoping to show what the Bible has to say about a pastor and congregation relationships. What is our relationship to be like biblically? After two weeks of introducing this series, I spent last week discussing church structure. I cannot recap it all, but if you happen to miss you please take time to go back and listen to that. The Bible is clear there's to be leaders in the church. Our text last week was taken from Titus 1.5 where it says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So clearly God's design is to have order in the church. God intends leaders to be the ones to set things in order. And from that verse, these leaders are to be the elders once they are put in place. We consider the terms the Bible uses for this position, elder, bishop, overseer, pastor, all describe the same position. And in some places, the usage of bishop and overseer are the same Greek word. So they describe the exact same thing. An elder speaks of maturity and the pastor's role to feed the sheep. A bishop speaks of the pastor's requirement to oversee the church's affairs. And a pastor speaks of the ability to shepherd the flock. And then I close with your responsibility as a congregation. You need to come prepared for the feeding times. Ready to eat the meal that has been prepared by the pastor. A congregation needs to allow the pastor to have oversight. And a congregation needs to allow themselves to be shepherded. And really, I close with, there, there must always be one person that is ultimately accountable to God. There may be many pastors, but there is one person that will stand in judgment. We were talking about, in Revelation, John Jesus comes to John and tells him to pen seven letters to the seven churches. And to each of those churches, it is addressed to the angel of the church. And if you'll study that, you'll find the angel there is speaking of the pastor. And therefore, there is to be one primary pastor over the entire church. He is the one who will answer to God for how this church was led. We'll talk more about that a little bit tonight. And so all of these areas would require that you and I have a very special bond as pastor and congregation. Now, that depends on me walking with God, amen? But I got news for you, that means you have to be walking with God too. It's a two-way street. Now, as we begin tonight, we'll be in Hebrews chapter 13, as we continue to look at the role of pastor and congregation. And for some, this may get controversial next week. I thought I was going to get to it all tonight, but there was just no way. So what we're going to do is we're going to read verse 7, verse 17, and then for good measure, we'll also throw in verse 24. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account. 
that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And finally, verse 24 says, Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Okay, Italy. (laughs) Clearly, these verses indicate there are those who are to be leaders in the church, and there are those who are to follow those leaders. Verse 7 very clearly speaks of rulers and followers. And in verse 17, in the context of these rulers, we read about obedience and submission. Some have no issue with the concept of leaders and followers, but many do take issue with obedience and submission. (laughs) This is good already, amen. (laughs) I'm just reading the Bible. I, you know, just hearing the word obey causes a move towards self-independence. Just hearing that word. The very mention of the word submit often will cause a move to outright rebellion. No one's going to make me obey. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to submit to anybody. And of course, the exact opposite happens every day in the business world and in the military world. But when it comes to the church world, all of a sudden it's a different story, isn't it? Your boss can tell you, I want you here at this time. I want you to do this. I want you to... And we all say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The military, you definitely have to salute. But for some reason in the church house, it turns into something divisive. Who are you to tell me what to do? Now, what's interesting is, if you were to place 18 children on a sandlot, it won't be long if they have all the baseball gear they need. It won't be long that those 19 children pick two captains, and those two captains start selecting a team. How many of you grew up doing that? Amen. Put 10 kids on a basketball court. Two are going to emerge to pick their teams. It's just natural. It's what we do in almost every area of life. But when it comes to a church body, there are often very heated arguments. There are often very divisive situations which arise when it comes to leadership. What happens is some people end up taking their football and they go home. You're not going to tell me what to do. Could it be we're in a spiritual battle in here? And that Satan's trying to upset God's design? Well, from verses 7 and 17, we find five things a pastor is to be doing. And we find five things a congregation is to be doing. Now, this isn't all-inclusive. We can add more to this. But from this text, that's what we'll find. There are very definite responsibilities for the pastor and the church. We would see here with no no difficulty at all, that my responsibilities are to rule over, to speak the Word of God, to live by faith, to watch for your souls, and to give an account. Your responsibilities as a congregation would be to remember, consider, follow, obey, and submit to the leadership in the church. So we'll start with my responsibilities tonight. I was going to end with your responsibilities, but we're not going to get to that tonight. 
Number one, I'll try to make this fast so we can get out of here. We see the pastor is to rule over the congregation. Boy, that's just enough to get you upset right there, isn't it? Nobody likes to be ruled over. But that's what the Bible says. Verse 7 says, them which have the rule over you. Verse 7 says, them that have the rule over you. Verse 24 says, them that have the rule over you. Three times. I think God intends for there to be somebody to lead. It's these kind of verses which test our heart in the realm of spiritual leadership structure because, as I stated earlier, we don't appreciate this kind of language as patriotic Americans. We went to war to have nobody rule over us. And you're going to rule over this church? Well, while that word rule does convey commanding with official authority, in short, it just simply means a leader. So don't get bent out of shape yet. Okay, we're not talking about somebody who has dominion over you. This, is, this isn't anybody's dominion here. This church belongs to Christ. And so it's not about having dominion over your life, but we're simply acknowledging that we have leaders within our church. I want you to notice that the wording here says those who have the rule over you, not those who have taken the rule over you. It is not somebody's position to take. It is somebody's to receive. To have means you do possess the authority to leave, but it's not to mean that it has been taken by force. There's been churches like that. Somebody leads a coup. Leaders in the church are given their leadership. They do not take their leadership. I spoke last week about the pastor being an overseer and the need for there to be one primary leader in the church. I won't labor here, but I'll say this again. This is why it's so important that we walk with God. It's really important you walk with God because you're the one selecting your leader. Right? You, well, all of you who were here before, you're the ones that voted. You chose. And in a church where the people are walking with God, they'll choose the man that God has for them, not who they may want for themselves. I've said it before, there are far more qualified men than me that wanted this church and could have had this church, but God had other plans. It's not about what we want. If all churches were walking with God, then we wouldn't have the unbiblical mess we find in the pulpits today. We wouldn't find female pastors. We wouldn't find lesbian and homosexual pastors. We wouldn't find all this mess if people would just follow the Word of God. Since I preached that idea last week, I'll just say, obviously, there are to be leaders in the church, and we'll, we'll move on. Number two, we see leaders are the ones who preach the Word of God. It says in verse 7, who have spoken unto you the Word of God. This is one of the primary responsibilities of a pastor. In Acts chapter 6, you'll recall an issue arose within the church in Jerusalem. There was an issue on the widows being taken care of. There was contention between the Hebrews' widows and the Grecians' widows. And they decided that the best... Actually, I've got the verse here. Let me just read it to you. The, the twelve there in Jerusalem called the multitude of the disciples together, and they said this in Acts 6, verses 2 through 4. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. 
Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's the primary responsibility. A leader in the church is to primarily be focused on prayer and preaching, studying to preach. That's the primary responsibility. And that's why when you get all these little hiccups and all these little distractions and these little diversions and these little arguments and these divisions that crop up all over the place, it takes time away from the main thing. So we got to be careful about that. And you know what? The Bible says when they did that, that the saying pleased the whole multitude. The whole church was pleased with this idea. The Word of God, it says, increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly as a result of having this kind of structure. And so I must be in prayer. I must study the Word of God. And I am so thankful that you allow me the privilege to do that without secular employment. That's another message. One of the qualifications for a bishop in 1 Timothy 3.2 is apt to teach. And in 2 Timothy 2.24 it says that the servant of the Lord must be apt to teach. Being apt to teach means being ready and being qualified to teach. Not just anybody, but who's qualified? 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. In other words, in every occasion, preach the word of God. The leader who feeds the flock, the word of God, must do so week in and week out. When it's popular, when it's not popular. When it's COVID, when it's not COVID. When it's received, when it's not. When he's supported, when he's not. No matter, preach the Word of God. Number three, the leader is to be a man of faith. We see in verse 7, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now I know we all understand that we're sinners saved by grace and that we all will stumble and fall along the way. But somehow that kind of thinking has evolved into this idea that we really aren't to be held accountable as leaders. That we're not to be held up as examples because after all, we all make mistakes and none of us are perfect. And unfortunately, we have developed a defeatist attitude or perhaps it's as simple as we have decided to cop out on being held to a higher standard. Well, don't observe the leaders in the church. Has it gotten that bad that that's what we've come to? Yeah. Now, obviously, the the desire of any real minister would be to point people's eyes to Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Which is what we find, I believe, in verse 8, which it seems to just come out of nowhere, this verse. It's like, hey, you know what? Remember them that have the rule over you. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It just seems like it comes out of nowhere that it doesn't really fit. But it really fits nice if you really study all this as it flows. So remember those that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the Word of God, whose faith followed, considering the end of the... What's their end of their conversation? It's Jesus. 
Amen. That's what we're striving for. That's our prize. That's our rest. He's our portion. He's our inheritance, all those things. And so it, it does fit really quite nice. And I don't have time to, to really break all of this down. But we ultimately look to the Lord because leaders will come and go. And they'll die. Some will get fired. Some will move on. Some will get mad. Some will quit. Jesus never leaves. He never changes. And no doubt good leaders will lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But also understand this. Good leaders are good leaders because they are attached to Christ. And so even though we know it's all about Christ, there must be that which is within a leader that says, follow me and I'll show you how to get to Christ. Now how's that for responsibility? If you want to know how to live the life of faith, follow me. If you want to know how to walk with God by faith, watch me. That's such a humbling verse. What a thought. But listen, it's not unique to Hebrews 13, 7. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Philippians 3, 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. And in verse 9 it says, But to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. And in 1 Peter 5, 3, Peter's addressing the elders when he says, They are to be ensamples to the flock. I believe all of God's children should strive for that. Because you're reaching people I can't reach, and you ought to be able to look at them and say, you follow me and you'll see Christ. I'll take you to Him. We all should be striving for that, but certainly those in leadership should be able to say, follow my faith. If you follow me, you're heading in the right direction. Oh, mercy. This word for follow, you know what it means? It means to imitate or to mimic. This is so humbling because people can only imitate what they see. And what do we often say? Don't look at me, look at Christ. How are you going to see Christ? Well, we know you see Him through His Word, but isn't it true that Christ lives in us? He has put in this treasure in earthen vessels. I was so burdened during COVID-19. I know we're technically still in it. Just go to Wisconsin and you'll see it. Thank God we're in South Dakota. I know I say that a lot, but whew, every time I cross that border, I'm like, good. <laughs> Throw that mask out the window, amen? Anyway, I was so burdened during COVID-19 because I wanted to be sure I had God's mind on the matter. What does God want us to do? And in so doing, I wanted to be able to set an example for you to follow. How many times did I say, trust God? Have faith in God. Stay faithful. Trust His watch care over you. I wasn't saying that from some underground bunker sealed in Hermosa. Right? It wasn't on live stream from live stream land, but it was here. 
whose faith follow. Number four, I'm charged to watch over you. Verse 17 says, for they watch for your souls. This means I have to be on guard at all times. The care of your souls has been entrusted to me. That isn't to say your soul is given for safekeeping to me. That belongs to the Lord, right? And ultimately all this does, we understand that. But the Lord will keep you until the day of Jesus Christ. But this idea is me staying awake and staying alert for those who seek to subvert your soul through false teachings, false doctrines, and those kind of things. And I must strive to maintain doctrinal purity in this church. Let me just add right here, don't get upset with a standard that has been set in place. Because that standard is meant to be a guardrail for doctrinal purity. In Acts 20, 28-30, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. This is what Paul was saying to the elders of Ephesus, to the pastors there. And so I'm charged to watch for wolves in sheep's clothing. And I have to guard against false teachers, unbiblical doctrines, programs that don't fit into the Word of God. Certainly, I do this by guarding this pulpit. But occasionally, this may mean cautioning you against certain popular Bible teachers and authors. Boy, I've seen how people worship their favorite authors. Sometimes it may mean cautioning you against a certain group. Matthew 7, uh, 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. John 10, 12, and 13, He says, But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he's an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. Galatians 2.4 And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Those were religious people that came in. They're bringing in religious doctrine. We've got to be careful. 2 Peter 2, 1 and 2, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And because of this, God has ordained pastors to watch for your souls. I don't want you tossed to and fro as children. Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? Don't be tossed to and fro as, as children, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There's people lying in wait to deceive us. 
somebody has to drive the stake in the ground and say, this is where we're going to stand. So don't get mad when the pastor tries to warn you. And listen, it isn't just in regard to those wolves in sheep's clothing, but there are times when you may be heading in a wrong direction. To watch for your souls means I'm concerned about your personal walk with God. Guarding against those things which might come between you and the Lord. Man, that's always fun addressing because who are you? I'm nobody. I'm just trying to give you the Word of God. Number five. I will give an account. In the middle of verse 17 we read, as they that must give account. If it isn't humbling enough to know that people are looking to you to observe your faith, to be an example, it will certainly keep you humble as a pastor. It will keep you grounded when a pastor understands that he will give an account one day. Therefore, leadership doesn't just mean responsibility, but it demands accountability. People often assume it's all glamorous at the top of some organization, and they think if they can just climb a few more rungs on the corporate ladder, they won't have to deal with all these bosses. Wrong. I can tell you there's more responsibility and accountability at the top than there is at the bottom. And it's true within the church as well. I will give an account to God to answer for the responsibilities He has charged me with. Now, I want you to let the weight of that reality sink in. Because if you as a church member, and I know I'm kind of getting into next week's message, but it would help you to understand that I will give an account. And that might make you a little less feisty when I say, ladies, when you get up here, I really need you to follow this code. I don't like that code. I don't like it either. I don't like it either. But I know this. I'm going to give an account to God. And, and, and you pick the issue. That's just the hot button one. So this reason, because of this account, because of the heaviness of this, you know what James says in James 3.1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. To whom, is much, to whom much is given, much is required. Amen. And uh, there's a greater condemnation. There's a greater judgment to those who teach the Word of God. That's what James was talking about. Don't, don't be many masters. Look, we don't need a church full of teachers. Because you're going to be held to a higher standard. You're going to be judged harder. Let me put it to you this way. If you shouldn't be in pastoral leadership, then quit. That's what James is saying. Just quit. You're making it bad for you. You're going to have a greater condemnation. And you're making it bad for the people you think you're serving. It's a heavy responsibility to be in the pastorate. I have to answer for every sermon, every word, every counsel, every correction, every decision, every standard, every vision of faith, every path we take. It will be reckoned before God and not man. And with that in mind, you must understand that I don't give an account to this congregation. I give an account for this congregation. I'm not responsible to this church. I'm responsible for this church. 
I will always be your servant, but you will never be my master. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 4, Paul wrote, Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgments. Yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. You know, Paul was dealing with personality issues, these conflicts about I'm with this guy and that guy and all this stuff. He, he was trying to hammer through this. He was dealing with disputes, divisions, and he says to them this, I'm not accountable to you. I'm not even accountable to me, he says. I don't even judge myself. But I'm accountable to God. Now, how many does that rub the wrong way to hear? I'm not accountable to you. I love your ideas. I'd probably enjoy your standard better. I'd probably enjoy singing, singing the same verse 14 times in a row. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. You're right. I was teasing with Ken about that. I, I somehow stumbled across the church online. I texted Ken immediately. I said, brother, I love you. I'm so thankful for how you handle music in our church. Amen. Amen. I'd much rather be reverent. When we understand this principle of accountability... When the pastor understands this, proper leadership begins. Because if I don't understand this, I'm going to be concerned too much. There ought to be concern. But I'd be concerned too much that I'm pleasing this row and 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 this row. And it's never going to happen. I can't even please everybody in my own family. Amen. You see, it's accountability which causes leaders to work when others waste time, to pray when others play, to study while others slumber, to keep the vision of what God has, not to settle for the now, but to keep looking to the future. And when you keep looking to the future, it enables leadership to put up with complaints, waywardness, revolts, slanders, to be able to live in loneliness and mental anguish which comes with making decisions nobody wants to hear. You see, when that happens, when you understand accountability, your head isn't being turned about by the flock. But He will set His face like a flint as one who must give an account to God. So that's my role as your pastor. From Hebrews 13, to lead, to preach, to live by faith, to watch for your souls, and to give an account. It's hard work, but it's rewarding work. I'm having the time of my life. I absolutely love what I'm doing, believe it or not. And I, I hope I'm staying positive in that area because I don't want any young person to think this is absolutely miserable. Yeah, you're going to get chewed out. Yeah, you're going to get kicked in the pants. And yeah, you're going to get all this and all that. But it is so much fun. I, I can't explain it. It just is. I got my wife to come home to, to complain to. And then she grabs me by the neck. Shut up. That's mostly true. I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my wife. But I'm very grateful to serve this congregation. This is a wonderful congregation. I mean that. Look who all's here tonight. 
And it's nasty out there. And you're like, I know, let's hurry this up. <laughs> I'm just glad you're here. This, this church has been so faithful through COVID, through this bad weather tonight, through everything. I, I'm just so grateful. Thank you for letting me be your pastor. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I take these responsibilities seriously. Next week, we're going to look at your role, and we're going to have fun with that one. Amen. <laughs> Who are you to tell me to obey and submit? I know. Never mind, Hebrews says it. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you. We are grateful for this blood-bought institution known as the church. We thank you for Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for the leaders you've put in place in this church. Lord, we have some great deacons, some wonderful teachers. Lord, you're so good to us. So many people in this church serve every week. It is truly an honor and a blessing to be a part of this church. Lord, I am so grateful that you would allow me this privilege. Now help me burn these five things into my heart. How challenged I was studying this week about following the faith of the leader. Lord, am I setting that bar high enough? Oh, God, I pray you'd help me. Help me, Father. We love you. We pray for safety, please. May we all arrive home safely. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.